Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And no need to... Look, we're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, <laughs> listen, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. Um, the latest streaming series by the MCU, carrying on the story into Phase 4. Available, whole thing's available on Disney Plus now. Um, usually we talk about these things mid-season, you know, after the fifth episode. But this one was only six episodes, so we waited it out. And now we're serving up the whole thing as one big all-you-can-eat Geek Top 5 MCU buffet. Yeah, yeah, let's let's get the show on the road. I, I think there's uh, there's some interesting stuff to talk about. So the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, it, you know, Bucky and Sam. We all knew this was coming. Again, spoiler alert. This is your last warning. Let's let's just get right into it. You want to start with general impressions? How'd you feel about this one? I I liked it. I liked it. I I kind of. Uh... I, I'm a little torn, but part of me thinks it should have been the first one out because it fits so perfectly in what you expect from an MCU movie at this point, whereas WandaVision was a little more out there, a little more in the vein of, like, Doctor Strange or, or Thor Ragnarok, where it's a little off the beaten path, whereas this is square, down the middle, exactly what you would expect from a Captain America movie. So, but I, I enjoyed it, and, and I, I got... Everything I could have wanted out of it, and and even more, it was uh, there were some really interesting political things to chew over and, and character moments, and uh, it was it was good. It's it's a really solid TV show. I thought. Yeah, I can own up that. I, I sort of had the same thought, but only because I feel like this one is overshadowed a little by one division. Um, this my my takeaway. Both my wife and I, we were having this discussion. We were saying that throughout all six episodes, it was everything we... It was exactly what we expected. And it did it well. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But by the same token, WandaVision was such an interesting and creative project. Like, it got tongues waggling. So I get why that came first. Like, that got people... Mm. Like, you know, people who aren't into Marvel were getting told, like, you got to watch this WandaVision thing. It's wild. And this one did nothing wrong, but I also kind of feel like it's it's forgettable. Interesting. I could see myself going back to this more regularly than I could WandaVision. I think WandaVision was a really good experience from beginning to end as one interesting story, especially week by week. Whereas this was uh, more of a romp and, and more enjoyable. I, I think once you know the mystery of WandaVision, it's... it's I feel less compelled to go back and watch it again, whereas this is kind of comfort food, and it has enough meat to it that I I, I rewatched some stuff in preparation for this episode, and um, I, it gave me some really interesting things to chew over in my head. So I think I might I'm it might come out with a bit of an edge for me as far as rewatchability. Yeah, so it's, we're we're sort of talking the same points, but we've got different uh, conclusions from it. Like, I, I will, at some point, I will definitely go back and just watch through WandaVision again, just because of how much fun I had. This one, I could have told you pretty much every plot point from start to finish. 
And because of that, I feel like it's almost like I didn't watch anything because mm. I already knew. And that's that's doing it a huge disservice. Like, I loved the performances. I liked the writing. It was gorgeous, the way it was shot. And the, and just, I mean, look, at, and the quality of it. I mean, I know it's a silly thing to bring up these days, but holy cow. Like, it's the same thing I got when watching Mando. Like, they spent a lot of money on it, and it yeah. shows. But everything that happened in there was exactly what I expected from the first trailer, and so I was sort of sleeping through some of it, uh, uh, especially some of the family stuff, and just you know, like just, the like, family. I, I know where this is all going. The family stuff was some of the most interesting stuff to me because it it led to some very interesting conversations, especially in the current climate uh, climate in the states, as far as. Black Lives Matter and and race relations is 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 happening as we speak in in across the border, and uh, I think it was something they could have you wouldn't have blamed them from completely sidestepping those issues as being too sticky and too thorny to get into on a an hour long action drama, but I think they they really found a, a nice place to land with it. Interesting. And, and yeah, it's, I mean, look, we're we're safely up here in the north where things are a lot more calm. The United States is at a weird point in their history right now. Um, and the rest of us are all, of course, catching the glare from that as it goes back and forth. I, I mean, for, on one hand, I sort of would have blamed them if they hadn't done that. <laughs> like, I would have said, like, there's a lot of things Captain America stands for right now. And examining that is important. Uh, and that even hits in some of the first phases, right? Like, it's it's... Like it could be interpreted as a coincidence, but Captain America, you know, goes rogue and doesn't wear his star for a while, pretty much around the time that things got really intense down there. And he puts it back on for, for Endgame, of course, but it's still, you know, like that message has always been there. And see, and now I'm thinking like maybe because they deal with that message, maybe that does, like that makes this more important than WandaVision. Like this, the the yeah. message it's tr- like what it's talking about and the message it's trying to tell, the story it's trying to tell, is more of a you know, more of a part of history than here's a cool witch lady, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll we'll get deeper into that. I think we're gonna go episode by episode as we usually do. So so we will definitely cover that. But something I wanted to talk about that is something that goes across all the episodes and isn't a story thing but is something that caught my eye in every episode, and it's not something I'm used to having catch my eye, and that was the lighting. They used red, white, and blue lights as often as possible on the show, and I found it really striking and and really eye-catching, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. By the end, When I first started noticing it, I was like, well, this is a little much if I'm noticing it this much. But by the final episode, I was into it, and I thought it was, for, for a show that was so, you know, kind of by the numbers as far as an action drama goes, at like fight-fight, punch-punch, shoot-shoot, bad guy stuff, it was really interesting lighting, but... Yeah, no, it's, I did, it didn't occur to me. But yeah, there is a lot of stylistic choice in there, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's uh, it's weird. I mean, as Canadians, like, we're proud of our country, but, you know, Americans, as a stereotype, and so, I mean, listen, there are a lot of people down there. It's hard to put them into one group, but as a stereotype, like, you know, there are a lot of houses with American flags, you know, compared to houses with Canadian flags, right? definitely. Yeah. Like it's it's a bigger part. Like so, when those stripes really mean something to you, 
when those colors are so important. Like in some houses, it's like it's like America, capital A, is right up there with like whatever religion your household is practicing. I wonder if like what kind of an impact that has when you're coming from it. Like, I wonder if I'm not exactly the right target audience for this one. I wonder if it had more of an impact. You know, the same way I wasn't the same target audience for Black Panther. Like, still a good movie, but I can tell it's it, it's like it carried frequencies of data I couldn't <laughs> interpret. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's true. And, and there's definitely things in here that didn't resonate with me the same way they would other audience members, especially African-Americans. I, I think there's there's a lot of powerful moments here that I just don't have the same, and it would be impossible for me to have the same emotional connection to, but they were still really well done and powerfully conveyed, and, and I did, you know, they resonated with me just nowhere near the level that I imagine is possible if you are in the target demographic for for some of those conversations. Yeah, yeah, Sam's speech at the end of six, it's... Man, I mean, what a speech! It, it, yeah, like, it, like, it was heavy-handed, but it was also appropriately heavy-handed, you know, like it was it was very clearly meant for people in the audience to be listening to. Yeah. And all of the Isaiah Bradley stuff is really, really interesting, deep conversation. Yeah, that's yeah, that was directed towards uh, to people. And we're just a little outside of that Venn diagram. So from our perspective, still hits pretty hard. But but uh, boy, I just I, like there's got to be more than one person going to bed tonight thinking about what, what they talked about there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, uh, yeah. But I still, I still enjoyed Wandavision more. <laughs> I still looked forward to Wandavision more. I still like. I, I was so excited about what's going to happen next and what does it all mean. And somehow this one just. I mean, again, maybe it's because of like this one was targeted and Wandavision was a little more broad. But this which one, is I, weird because because Wandavision had almost a David Lynch style to it at points, which is not the most easily digestible style I, I don't even know how to say it just like it's it it was a weird show and and because at least at first it wasn't spoon feeding the audience with what was happening it was you could be a little put off by it so it's weird to think of wandavision being more easily digestible in comparison Maybe that's just my palate. You, know, you, raise, you raise a guy on Lovecraft and like you know fantasy monsters and those kind of things. I gotta have like, a word with your mother. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, she's on the show often enough. You can bring it up. <laughs> I don't. Maybe it's just me. I I still I still liked WandaVision more, but the more I'm thinking about it, the more I think this is probably a more significant project. And that's that's not to say like, and so I feel guilty now that I don't like it more. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, well, let's let's get into it. Uh, episode yeah. one came out March nineteenth. It's called New World Order, directed by Kari Skogland, who uh, directed all the episodes, and uh, it was written by Malcolm Spellman. Yeah. So right off the bat, I didn't even recognize they had brought back Batroc the Leaper for this one. <laughs> I. He shows up again in episode five, and it was like, "Oh, that guy!" And I didn't realize until I was re- like, "It didn't matter to me." I that that's just a weird thing to open it on. I know I'm just getting that out of the way. I don't give a good rat. There's no polite way to say it. I don't give a goddamn about Petrock the Leaper. But I guess if you're a big GSP fan, yeah, I, I also think he's he's like Crossbones, uh, an easy 
henchman to bring back or or sort of B or C or D level villain to bring back and have uh, a fight scene to just establish the credentials of the character. Just like Crossbones came back from Winter Soldier in, uh, I think it's Civil War. He's in the beginning of Civil War and, yeah, and yeah, gets blown up. So, you know, another B villain from Winter Soldier coming back to show everyone how cool our, our hero is. Yeah. So Batroc the Leaper kidnaps a guy and there's a whole chase and the Falcon stops him and he's really cool still and that's great. But uh, he's still the Falcon because he doesn't feel comfortable having Cap Shield. He decides to donate it to a, it belongs in a museum, <laughs> you know. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Bucky Burns, the former Winter Soldier, is now going through therapy because of all of his, you've spent all this time being mind-controlled assassin stuff, and he's trying to deal with that. Um, it turns out that this new terrorist group has some super soldiers in it, and uh, and they're going to try and stop him, and then... Probably the most important part of the episode is the, you know, now that America has the shield, they don't leave it in a museum. They give it to a new guy to make a new Captain America, to give it to John Walker, who we know from the comics is U.S. agent. Yes. Yeah, well, who will eventually be U.S. agent. Uh, yeah, so it was a good episode. I, I Especially re-watching it, there were things that I picked up on it. I mean, one of, one of the things that stood out on second viewing, especially because of stuff that happens in later episodes, Falcon kind of indiscriminately just murders a lot of people in that first fight scene with, with Batrock. Not indiscriminately. Well, I mean, they're all bad guys. And Yeah, like, the action hero rules. If they have a machine gun and they're shooting <laughs> at you, they're fair game. You know? <laughs> True, but it's... it's uh... Uh, something that happens in episode two will also strike this. I, I'm sort of used to the Captain America style of of just subduing people and, and you know, or like in the Spider-Man video game, the Spider-Man PS4 game. If you knock someone off a building, you, you don't always notice it, but Spider-Man shoots webs and, and they're just actually dangling off the side of the building. I'm used to those little touches to show you, look, our heroes aren't killing anyone. Don't worry. They're heroes, and that was out the window for this. Helicopters explode. People are dropped from miles and miles above the ground. Now, was that done intentionally because, like, for him to grow as a character a little? It's possible, but I don't think they make a fine enough point about it for it to resonate in any way. Like, no one, no one talks about it. It's it's something that happens, right. but it's not really addressed in any way. So I. It's it's possible, but if so, I think it was probably too subtle. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Otherwise, I feel like not a ton of a lot going on in this first episode. Um, I think the Bucky stuff was more well done than the Sam stuff, and I, I don't know if I can tell you why. Like, Bucky, we see he's hanging out with this old Japanese guy, and it turns out part of the reason he's doing that is because when he was Winter Soldier, he killed this guy's son essentially on a whim, and he's sort of like keeping this old man company as penance, the way he sees it. Um, and the comparative, the other side of the story is Sam's family, who are, who are you know, they're poor black Americans. Um, they're having trouble keeping afloat, especially in the post-blip world. And both were well done, I guess, but I, I feel like there was too much time spent there. Like, I sort of, it was like, I get it, I get it, I get it, and it just kept going. Mm. And I don't know, and this is going to be a trend throughout the rest of the episodes, is I always felt like that was too much of a B-plot. Again, because of how predictable it was, maybe. 
Okay. It's like, you know what? I bet you that Sam's family is going to be all right in the end. Like, I don't, like, it was never up in the air. Like, boy, I hope the series doesn't end where they, you know, they go bankrupt and lose their home and everything. Like, like of course that wasn't going to happen. Well, I mean, by that logic, you could, you, you could say that the Bucky stuff is predictable, too. Yeah, it's like, you know, in this episode, he has so such a hard time coming to terms with what he did and, and he can't even bring himself to talk to the guy about it and, and he flees this date that the old guy arranged for him just out of guilt and, and uh, everything that happened. And you know by the end of the series he's going to get past that and, and have the yeah, heart yeah. to heart. For sure. And and again, I don't know why I liked the Sam stuff less. I think both of them I wasn't terribly interested in. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, of course I knew. I could picture the scene, and it does happen at the end of episode six, exactly the way I expected. Again, I kind of feel like the curse of this show is nothing happens that we don't expect to happen. Um, I... So I don't know. This The first episode, it's, I mean, because there's a lot of that background stuff and not a lot of movement, it uh, I thought I felt like it was a rough start. Okay, okay. I, I do think there are some some things in this, some twists that and, and turns that... Um throughout the the course of the series that I think were were well done and uh I didn't see coming but we'll get to them as we go. Uh, ultimately, yeah, the introduction of of John Walker at the very end of the episode was was kind of surprising. Uh, if you'd read anything about the series beforehand, you you knew that was coming, but it was still um it was well done and you could see how upsetting it is for uh for Sam and for Bucky and um, the the dynamic with Sam and Bucky, which I guess doesn't really come into focus until episode two, is is really good as well. Um, and there, yeah, I just let's let's move on to episode two. It's called the Star Spangled Man. So, uh, this one has, spends a lot of time at the beginning with John Walker giving us a background on his character, and we we meet his wife and we meet his 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 version of Bucky, who's Lamar and who is also his, his superhero name is Battlestar, but that very rarely gets mentioned throughout the rest of the yeah, f- For a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. Sam and Bucky reluctantly team up and they go, uh, fight, uh, the flag smashers and, and we get a better sense of who they are in this episode. And, uh, we also meet Isaiah Bradley. They go to him for information because they realize that the Flag Smashers have the Super Soldier Serum. And Isaiah Bradley is, other than Bucky, as far as they know, the only other person with Super Soldier Serum. So they, they have a conversation with him. And uh, finally, at the end of the episode, they 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 decide to go talk to Baron Zemo and uh, get his help in the whole project. Did that co- yeah, cover lots- everything? That covers everything. I mean, we should focus a little more on Isaiah Bradley, but let's move point by point. The start, I thought, I was I was really impressed by how they, it, it, would, it would have been really easy to make John Walker just a dick. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, that's what his character is in the comics, is he's the bad Captain America, right? He's all the things that America, like, doesn't like about itself. Um, you know, the hardcore right wing, like super religious and all the thing, all the values that are seen as kind of toxic nowadays. Um, what they did is they made him kind of sympathetic and kind of likable, but they did it in a way that makes it outdated. Like, you know, he goes like they're having the interview with him, like at his old high school where he played football and dated the cheerleader, like this really like... 30-year-old heroism thing, which doesn't quite hold up anymore. Yeah, but you can understand why they would 
in that world, why they would want to go for that. This, Captain America was a hero of World War II. He's he's old-fashioned, so here's our old-fashioned take on a, our, our what Captain America should be. Blonde hair, blue eyes. We get all of the, the, the things that we think superficially are important about Captain America. Yeah, we get all the stereotypes of classic America, you know, like baseball and mom's apple pie, that kind of thing. Right, he's you know in football. He was a soldier. He fought in Afghanistan, and 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 that comes up later. You know, he tells Lamar like you know the things we did in Afghanistan actually weren't heroic. Yeah, I, I, he says that even, but like like but all but the, so the way they do it is it like it checks all the boxes. You can see it, but we in the audience know you know Captain America wasn't Captain America because he was a great soldier. The whole point is because he was a great person. And we're already sort of set up to recognize that while John Walker might be a you know a great American stereotype, that doesn't necessarily make you a great person. Um, I thought they did that really well, but again, it was also really predictable. Sure, uh, in the comics, um, that the character was introduced to show what he he was what people thought Captain America was, and and I don't think Captain America has in the comics has. I don't want to say he's never been this, but usually he represents the best of America and not necessarily a blind allegiance to the government and, and just following orders and yes, sir, yes, sir, I'm on my way. He's he's supposed to be the ideal version of America, you know, the when America ideally goes to other countries and solves their problems. In reality, it tends to end up being creating more problems, but Captain America goes to places and solves their problems and, and shows the world what the best of America is in, in yeah, the best possible making, way. Yeah, he's always making the right choice for the, you know, he's always doing what's best for people. Yeah. So this guy, John Walker, is meant to be like, well, what if. We had a Captain America who really was the yes sir, yes sir, just following orders, that version of Captain America. And in the comics anyway, he's become a more nuanced and and interesting character than he started out, where he could just be a villain, really, or at least um, a complicated, a, a character who no one wanted to hang out with, <laughs> to put it that way, a jerk. I'm but but he like he fits the pattern that a lot of these Marvel characters have, where it's like they have to fight their evil double, right? You know, Iron Man and the Iron Monger, right? Ant Man versus Yellow Jacket, like Captain America. As much as the Winter Soldier is sort of his like dark mirror, U.S. Agent is a much more sinister version of that. Yeah, and it's uh, unfortunately a, a mirror we'll never end up seeing in in this. Not between Steve Rogers and John Walker, anyway. But um... well, but that's see, I think that's actually clever because mm. what they do is, well, Steve Rogers is gone, so here's U.S. Agent. But who's going to be in the mirror to him? Right, right. Well, and at this point, I mean, we, again, it was very predictable. We could have guessed how it was going, but at this point, they're very clear that like they want to set up that we don't know. Like, is Bucky going to get the shield or is Sam going to get the shield, right? Like, that's, yeah. it's sort of played out, like, maybe in a way they both feel like they don't deserve it, but deserve it more than the other one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was it was really well done. Like, I, I liked uh, the Bucky's reaction to seeing him, seeing John with the, the shield and being upset with Sam for giving it, and, and Sam... Not disagreeing, but being like, "What? What can I do? It was not my shield. I had to. I, it's not mine to keep." 
And it was it, their their whole dynamic was was so well done, and especially rewatching it and knowing how like how antagonistic Sam and Bucky are at the beginning, their sort of reluctant respect for each other, and then how it ends up is it was a nice journey, especially since it's just six episodes and it didn't feel forced. It I I bought it, and in this yeah, episode, was... they're really antagonistic. Yeah, it was just the right amount of time for that relationship, I think. I think it would have felt rushed in a movie, but it would have been agonizing over the course of a whole series, like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, where it's, you know, seven years of 25 <laughs> episodes each. Like, that would have, I would have put my head through a wall. Right. This was this was kind of nice. This It was the perfect amount of time to develop those characters. Uh, so before we zoom out too much from episode two, let's just, we got to talk about Isaiah Bradley. The series version, anyway, is so... Bucky has known all along um, and has kept it from himself, to himself, I guess, for reasons. But uh, so after Steve Rogers, their you know, experiments into the super soldiers continued and there was a success. But the, the soldier it was a success on was, I mean, look, I mean, what, like this is like this is what they say. Essentially, this is what happened is it, it was a black guy. And because he was a black guy, they couldn't make him a hero. So instead, he became a laboratory experiment. And they, you know, after he did heroic stuff with his super soldier serum, they rewarded him by locking him up and experimenting on him. And he ended up having to fake his own death and now lives, you know, in just, you know, in, in, in what's resentment in. Yeah. Well, uh, in earned resentment. He's, he's yeah. pissed and, and you can totally understand why. But yeah, he lives in seeming poverty and behind, uh, locked doors shutting the whole world out and uh he's pretty messed up and is that is that in the i remember there being a, an arc about a black captain america in the uh, in the like in the world war ii setting in marvel but is that the same character is that a thing that actually happened in the books it is the same character i believe the series is called the truth and um he uh, it's been a, a while since i've read it but i my my memory is that it's it's a little different. Instead of it being something that happened after Steve Rogers, it was tests done on people before Steve Rogers. So, mm. which makes it, I don't know, darker in a way. Like, they were guinea pigs before they tested it on their Great White Hope. Yeah. So that's, I mean, so it, the, so basically the show is coming out with this part of its message very early. And like, this is also the same episode, like, you know, where Bucky and Sam are arguing in the street and the cops show up to arrest Sam. Yeah, right outside of and, Isaiah's house. Yeah. yeah. And, and, they're, and they're trying to get Bucky, like, is this guy bothering you? No. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> it's like these cops are trying to arrest him because he's black until one of them recognizes that he's the Falcon. It's And then it's, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it's... It would have like, felt heavy-handed if we didn't, you know, see the news every day where stuff like this happens. Very depressing. Yeah, yeah it's one of those things that what you wish it wasn't believable. But yeah. The, but, the, but they're coming right out and saying, yeah, we're talking about this. This is what this show is about. Um, they never hide from that. They very clearly spell out that a big part of this show is about, is about black America. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, listen, credits to them. Uh, and uh, there's another great moment when they're going to Isaiah's house, and it's a moment that gets called back later on where a little kid uh, uh, says to 
he calls Falcon Black Falcon, and it was just a very funny exchange. I, I enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that because I'm black? Does that make you black kid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, Bucky ends up being the one in cuffs, and uh, which I found hilarious, considering he's like got the super soldier powers and a vibranium arm, but he lets them put the cuffs on him. They go, he goes to jail, and there's the therapy session between uh, the two of them, which is good and and uh sets up some dynamics that'll continue throughout the series yeah yeah and we see bucky open up before sam does yeah bucky is able to like to get to the the heart of the matter and sam is still shutting it down at this point which is interesting because we all sort of see bucky is a more damaged character right um, but but that really sort of highlights that yeah Sam's got Sam ain't perfect either. There's there's a cool way to to play. I mean, and also just it's incredibly comedic with the two of them. This is where the staring contest they pulled from the trailer comes from. Right. It's yeah they got they have a lot of good chemistry these two. <laughs> uh, I think we should talk about Carly Morgenthau a bit. Um, the, she's the leader of the Flag Smashers uh, in the comics. Flag Smasher is just a guy in a bad superhero costume whose whose name is Carl Morgenthau. I thought it was a interesting thing <laughs> throwing an I on the end to make it Carly Morgenthau. Uh, mm-hmm. But so so throughout the the first couple of episodes, I, I guess it's not fully clear who the Flag Smashers are and who the leader is uh, to the point where when Carly first appears or when Bucky first sees her, he thinks she's a hostage and uh, quickly finds out that's not the case as she beats the crap out of him. But um, she's got a really interesting political message that's hard not to sympathize with, which is the best kind of villain where you're like, I kind of am on her side and and uh, her methods end up being the downfall as it is with all of these uh, villains, sympathetic villains. But it, it's, it was really well done where you you can see why she is doing what she's doing and, and um, that she's not fully evil like Ultron or something like that. Yeah, if she, again, if the methods hadn't be like, the methods were the only way to identify her as a bad guy, and there's clearly a tug of war happening there, like, she she knows it's wrong, um, and she starts to spiral down over the course of the series, but at the beginning, she could have very easily have become a protagonist. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, she's trying to do the right thing for people who need it for a good cause, and that's, it was possible that was the direction that the show was going, but they... But they one eighty on that very quickly, which is a shame. I kind of would have liked to see more of that. I feel like she ends up being a little underserved. Um, she becomes a vehicle for other characters to to work out their issues. Essentially, she becomes a plot device, mm. and I feel like that was that's uh, kind of I don't know. You know what? Maybe it had enough characters. Carly Morgenthau was never going to become a major player in the MCU, I guess. But it just goes to show like how great their how much stuff they have to work with that I would have liked this B character to become an A character. Yeah, so her her position is uh, the the blip is that time period when in the five years between uh, the end of Infinity War and the end of Endgame, where half the world was dis- was gone, and that's that's a big chunk of population to disappear, and a lot can change in five years. In five years, you assume it, no one's gonna come back, and so. I think 
it sounds like borders opened up a lot and, and people moved around more freely and, and took jobs in places and, and had a lot more opportunity. And then when the population did return, a lot of those people who had gone places to, to take advantage of the situation, to, to make a better life, were kind of kicked to the curb and left forgotten. And uh, there's new rules that are about to be introduced that are going to send them all packing or put into essentially refugee camps and Carly and her friends are trying to stop that and trying to bring back the uh world of the blip I guess and something yeah, the, the, like a world without borders that's where the the flag smashers term comes from in in the, in this version yeah um Something that I'd seen online was someone was complaining about how much of this, the post-Endgame MCU, has dealt with the blip, and they were like, I just wish we could just move on from it. It's it's something that, that was in, like, half a movie. Why are we spending so much time on it? But I kind of like that they are. It would have been weird to just hand-wave it away, or maybe not weird. I guess it would have been totally normal, especially in a comic book world, to... Just hand wave it away, like ah, everything's back to normal. Don't worry about it. Let's go fight villains. But I think it's really interesting watching the ramifications of it from Wandavision and and this, and uh, it's great story opportunities. Yeah, setting it up as the the like the catalyst for all this stuff to happen. No, it would have been a huge mistake to drop it. This is a very cool thing to work with. Yeah. Anyway, we we got to keep moving. <sighs> um. But, um, yeah, I mean, this one ends with where, you know, they're going to talk to Zemo, which, again, was we, we all knew was coming. Um, but still, so Baron Zemo, uh, the Civil War villain who nobody remembers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, like, so interesting choice to bring him back. It's like, what what are his, his like, he's, well, he's rich and he was sort of Hydra, and he manipulated the heroes into fighting each other in Civil War. And that was kind of it. Well, and Like, nobody really... Nobody thinks of Baron Zemo when they think of cool villains from the Infinity Saga. True, true. He's he's the villain of Civil War, and no one remembers that for the villains. But he does have a somewhat compelling backstory where his family was killed in Age of Ultron, and he hates super soldiers and all that. And, and they... They they definitely made him a much more interesting and much more memorable villain in this series than he was in Civil War. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason why I want to move on is because he may have been my favorite part of the series, um, and like he, he he gets his start at the start of Episode Three, and he's phenomenal. And that's when you know those memes are going around like it's the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the Baron, and also sometimes Sharon, which we'll get to as well. But like, yeah, Baron Zemo like is again like Carly Morgenthau you know in a way he's for a while he's the most sympathetic character like he's the coolest he's the one who knows what's going on he's got kind of a James Bond thing going with his private planes and his cars and his and he's driving the story while you know Falcon and Winter Soldier are just sniping at each other and being cranky I, I it, was he done dirty by not being made a title character no, no, I don't think so. He's he he is he, he doesn't really have an arc. He's there to to he's a story vehicle and he's a great character and I definitely want to see more of him. It's it's one of the the downsides of the MCU is that they go through villains really quickly and and there there's a lot of dead villains in those 22 movies, is it? And it's 
the great thing about comic books is when you find a good villain, you keep bringing them back and keep using them. And the MCU hasn't done that as much because it, it doesn't make for uh, as compelling an ending for a movie if the villain is still alive to return. It's not as satisfying an ending, I guess. But Zemo, I think, is going to keep coming back. And he's great. And I, I can't wait to see it. And he's great in this because... He's using them as much as they're using him, and he knows it, and he's playing them, and it's so fun to watch from the outside. It would be horrible to be stuck in a room with him, but from the outside, oh, sure. it's but, yeah, well, great. He's great. So episode three, Power Broker, uh, came out on April 2nd, written by Derek Kolstad. Um, Zemo agrees to help them, and Bucky arranges a prison riot to help him escape, which he then presents to Sam in montage, which was great, which was one of the most lighthearted moments of the of the show so far. Um, they go to Madripoor, which is basically Pirate Island, um, and it's run by a cr- high-ranking criminal called the Power Broker that we don't know anything about. Um, they work their way through the underworld. There's a lot of fun, you know, fish out of water stuff. They have to pretend to be criminals. Sam is terrible at it. Uh, they run into Sharon Carter, who we haven't seen for a while. Um, she, since Civil War, has basically been exiled from the States for helping Captain America and his Secret Avengers. Although I don't think they were ever called Secret Avengers in the MCU, but that's what they were. Um <laughs> She's living her life, just doing the best she can in this you know, pirate island, but she agrees to help them out. They find the guy who made the super soldier serum for the power broker. Um, when they're attacked by bounty hunters, uh, Zemo kills the guy who's making super soldiers, because of course he does, that's his whole thing. And then they basically leave. Which, um, oh, and uh, important note, and then the cliffhanger at the end of this one is we see that the the Wakandans are coming for Zero, the the Dora Milaje. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a very good recap. Um, I, I One of my favorite things in this run is Zemo keeps, you know what he's going to do. You, he's never, it's never that disguised that he's going to betray them in some way. And when he kills the the genius who's reinvented the super soldier serum he's kind of like like they're like they're pissed at him and he's like i swear that was it one time thing and you know he's just gonna screw them over again but he's he you can't help but like him when he does it because he's 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 a hundred percent who you think he is and and yet you can't help but get cheated by him over and over again i mean certainly (laughs) sam and bucky can't (laughs) We're, you know, we're, and we're always expecting it, and it's when it doesn't happen, is when it's not a betrayal, and he, he doesn't even scold them for it. He's just like, nope, wasn't this time, yeah. but maybe next time. <laughs> it's, they all know, they all know, it's just that the heroes are too arrogant to, uh, uh, they think they can control him, and they definitely can't. And we'll talk about this more in the next episode when he makes his escape, which is my easily my favorite scene. In the whole thing, but we'll get to that in this episode. Um, the I mean, the the Bucky Sam dynamic takes center stage most of the time. It's still very antagonistic, but it's still a lot of fun. Um, it, I think it's clear at this point that the the impetus for this show was the chemistry that these two actors have, like probably from Civil War. I think that's safe to say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I my son 
watches that the airport scene now and then from Civil War, and I always tune in. Like I, I love that movie, but you know I've seen the 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 action scene so many times at this point that I usually am like reading or something while he's watching it. But I always check back in when there's the moment where Spider Man is fighting uh, Bucky and uh, and Falcon, and their banter through that thing, all three of them, is great, and and it's it's. The best part of the movie, almost. Ah, with me, it's when they're when the two of them are in the car, right? When Steve Rogers and Sharon Carter are making the escape, and there's like, you know, can you move your seat back? No. <laughs> and and Steve Rogers and Sharon Carter kiss, and they both sort of give the nod, like like they they immediately in those like twenty seconds set up a buddy comedy. Like, <laughs> it had to happen at some point. And I know some executive at Disney watched that scene and was like, "Okay, that's something. We got it. We're doing. We're making a project about that." And that's what's on display here: having them have to pretend to be villains. You know, Bucky basically pretends to be the Winter Soldier again, and he hates it, and it's deep and meaningful. And Sam has to be like that with a smiling tiger, is <laughs> who's. Uh, basically, like he's dressed like a pimp. Let's let's say it. Like, and he's so uncomfortable. He's like Sam Wilson has never encountered this part of life before. <laughs> yeah, I like when he orders his usual, and and it's a disgusting drink, and and he, you could just see on his face the gears turning as he's trying to decide is he actually going to drink this or not. Yep. <laughs> It was, a, it was this was a fun episode. This is the one that made me think, okay, yeah, good show. I'm in. You've sold me. Yeah, and and I think the appearance of Sharon I think was a, a cool twist on it. Uh on on and having what they did with her was a, an interesting twist and then at the end of the episode you start to get the a hint that Sharon may not have been fully honest with the guys and yeah, but we because we see her like get into a car, like into the back seat of a car, and it's like okay, she's not just some pirate living out here; she has an organization. But I mean, you immediately default to oh, she's still with Shield, right? You know, yeah. like like of course, of course she is because she's Sharon Carter. Like it's like so in a way, I got hoisted on my own petard there on the how predictable this show is. <laughs> the one thing that got me, but we will address that later. Um, and then, well, cliffhanger ending, you know, we see the, like, the Dora Milaje shows up. I, I think she has a name, but I don't recognize the character. It's Ao. Uh, okay. Uh, but she shows up in the full Wakandan gear with the spear, and you remember, like, they sort of mention it, but you really remember now, oh, yeah, Bucky has really well tied to Wakanda. And, like, what a cool cliffhanger. Like, what a, like here's a cool new ingredient we're throwing into this. Great choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So should we move on to the next one? Tell me about episode four. So it came out April 9th. It's uh, The Whole World is Watching and uh, was written by Derek Kolstad. Uh, Ao uh, is is pissed with Bucky because Bucky's working with Zemo. And because of what Zemo did in um, Civil War where he killed King Ch- T'Chaka, uh, that was Black Panther's father, they, they want him in jail at... at least they i think they'd rather kill him but they, yeah we definitely get the impression they just want to kill him yeah and so that's the menace in the tone considering what they had done for bucky giving him the arm rehabilitating him taking away the the winter soldier programming 
they are, I think there's a feeling of betrayal that he broke Zemo out of jail and is working with him and they want to, to find out what's up. And Bucky gives them assurances and is like, give us more time. So they, they have like eight hours to to work with Zemo and then that's it. Dodora Milaje are going to go for him. Um, but they've got that assurance. Zemo helps them find um, Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers. They're going to the the funeral of this woman who is very important to the flag smashers. Uh, there, there's a powerful conversation between Sam and, uh, and Carly and then John and John Walker, the new captain America and Battlestar ruin the whole thing. And uh chase ensues and chaos happens. And uh, there's Zemo, breaks free he's he's chained up against uh, onto a thing so that he can't escape while they're dealing with carly because they've it's like we're we've gotten our use out of you you're going back to jail of course and he nobody free. nobody <laughs> thinks the handcuffs are gonna stop him <laughs> he breaks free he shoots carly all of her remaining super soldier serum falls on the ground and uh zemo proceeds to to destroy all of them and Carly gets away cuz Zemo's obsessed with getting rid of the super soldier serum. He doesn't care about Carly. He's not there for that. He just wants to get rid of the the serum. And uh unfortunately, he misses one. John picks it up and now we know that he's got access to this. They all end up back at uh at the the Baron's house, I guess, and uh the Dora Milaje come in to get Zemo. Another big fight ensues. John is horribly shamed and embarrassed by the Dora Milaje. They don't have super soldier powers and they kick the crap out of him. And he is outclassed. Yeah. And Zemo makes uh, a, 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 an escape down a toilet. Uh, there's another fight scene with the flag smashers. Uh, Lamar, Battlestar is is uh, killed in the fight with them, and uh, John loses it, and in front of a large crowd, just obliterates one of the flag smashers with his shield. Uh, uh, if if it was an R-rated show, would have decapitated this guy with the shield. Very dramatic. Yeah, and there's that shot at the end where it's him like in a Captain America pose with a shield, with America's shield, and it like I mean, America stained with blood, and it is not subtle, no, but very powerful. Okay, here's the the, the philosophical quandary that comes up in the show, and I I uh, need to ask you about it, and I I feel like there might be some I, I may be bearing my soul here more than I should, but uh. Zemo picks up one of the vials with the super soldier stuff, stares at it, and then after like two seconds of contemplating, drops it and smashes it, and, and that's that. And that makes perfect sense for the character. You you can see a world where they have him take the serum and he's a hypocrite, but it makes it I think it's a lot better that he's just that much of a zealot, that he doesn't really give it a second thought. He destroys all of the the serum that he can, and then later, absolutely, in, and then later, was that your was that, was that your question? No, because, no, yeah, that fits. Okay, <laughs> later in the episode, he asks Sam if he would take the serum, and Sam doesn't hesitate. In fact, Zemo remarks on how impressive it is that he doesn't hesitate, and he says, "No, I wouldn't do it." And then you have John on the other hand, and Lamar talking about it, and they both agree that they would take the serum. So that got me thinking. Uh, you know, both times I watched the episode, I really think. I don't, I wouldn't hesitate. I would take the serum 
Does that make me a bad person? Well, it's tricky because are you thinking of like you're saying in the opportunity to be super strong, I would, or are you saying in the opportunity to take this serum from the Marvel Cinematic Universe where I understand the pros and cons, where it's going to magnify every quality about myself, including the bad ones? Well, does it though? Like, does it magnify your personality traits, or is it just it, like it magnifies everything? Like the way Lamar puts it is, it just makes a person more themselves. But even the in the first Captain America movie, the Doctor says like this is going to take a person and make everything about them super, not just their muscles, about their like, you know, and that's why like they're looking at the bully. Uh, with Tommy Lee Jones as the drill instructor, yeah. like he's saying, well, like, yeah, the bully is the best soldier. And the doctor's, yeah, but he's already an asshole. <laughs> if we give him the serum, imagine what he'll become. Hmm. I guess I was just right? looking at it from the, uh, the perspective of it makes you uh, stronger, faster, the peak of, of human perfection uh, physically. And then as far as the the, you know, the rest of it, it was more of like the power that that gives you would magnify your personality and, and yeah i guess it's kind of up in the air as to whether it's actually an effect of the serum or an effect of like just what it does like if a person becomes unstoppable what do they become right i th- i still think you're thinking of it more in terms of like the flash or spider-man like i get hit by lightning and in the morning i have abs yeah that's what you want <laughs> yeah <laughs> right in this case with knowing the rules like knowing like this is also going to you know, make my bad qualities worse. Yeah, I wouldn't take it. Not like wow. I know. I, I I talk about this in the context of Star Wars a lot. I know I can't have force powers. <laughs> I know that. If given the choice, saying no is the responsible option because I already, you know, do the force choke motion several <laughs> times a day. Well, so like, I guess I my perspective is like if I were to step back from myself, I don't think I'm the best person to have those powers or or if if it was if there was a meritocracy, I would not be chosen for it. But if I was given the vial, I don't think I'd have the self-control or probably even the self-awareness to stop myself from taking it. Like if I had the opportunity, I would take it. I don't know that I would use it selflessly. I don't know that I would be a perfect Captain America soldier. But I just think having that thing in front of me, I would have to take it. It's like too good an opportunity. I would regret it forever. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know if it makes you a bad person. If that's your question, but no, I don't think the cons are worth the pros. Okay, well, like I, I can see myself in a situation where I, I turn it down. Let's say I, I, I pass on it, and then there's a situation where I'm. There's like a. A car is on uh, rolled over and is on top of someone, and I know that if I had taken the serum, I could save that person, and I didn't take it, and now that person's in trouble. Uh, that would be the sort of thing that would haunt me. It's a complicated question. It's a complicated question. Uh, probably not enough time to talk about it <sighs> on this episode here. <laughs> but I hear you. It's a fun dilemma, and the show presents it that way. I mean, I guess it's not fun if you're the one with the dilemma. Right. But, uh, yeah, but John Walker takes it, and, yeah, the bad things about him are magnified. Now, whether that's a serum thing or just power going to his head, but, like, like the warning signs are clearly there. Yes. This is where he has the conversation with Lamar. He's like, we got medals for what we did in Afghanistan, but those weren't good things. Like, that, not, that was not heroic. That's not what this was about. He only takes it after Lamar is killed. 
and he takes it for revenge. Which again, if Star Wars has taught us anything, it's you path, can't path to the dark you can't side. Seek power for revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I want to point out I love the fight scene in this between like it's sort of a three way like the Dora Milaje versus Walker versus Bucky and Sam. They're not sure if they want to get into it. And Zemo like he stops and he pours himself a drink and he watches for a while and he finishes the drink and he puts it down and then he quietly leaves. And it is the most like it says so much about but besides it was hilarious as a performance. It says so much about his character. He's like, I know these people so well. I know how this is going to go. Right. And uh, and I have time to pour myself some <laughs> scotch first. <laughs> or some whiskey or whatever it was he had in there. And then he you know, he steps out and he has one last look and closes the doors. And it's on his way out. There's it's just also so the, perfect. In that same fight scene, there's a great moment where I, I think, you know, Lamar and John are getting their butts handed to them by the door melage, and Sam is like, should we should we do something? And Bucky's like, you you got it, John! <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't want to, this guy's a jerk. I, I don't mind watching him get beat up and and John yeah. is such a jerk I, I, unintentionally he's just so arrogant when he first meets uh Sam and Bucky I'm I'm so with Bucky in that where I'm like yeah let this guy get his ass handed to him but maybe he needs a little humility it ends up backfiring cuz the humility leads to him taking the super soldier's yeah, serum but yeah, this is John. Like this is the difference between U.S. agent and Captain America, right? Captain America would be happy to work with the Dora Milaje. U.S. agent is well. This is you know this is my jurisdiction. Yeah, little lady, a, you know I think you're going over your head. He doesn't actually say that, but he it's all in his tone. Yeah, there's there's something and, and about, there, and everyone in the room except for him knows how dangerous these women right. are. <laughs> And nobody corrects him because, like, yeah, this this is a this is a spoiled child who needs to be smacked, and he's about <laughs> to get smacked. I just want to go back a little bit to a moment in episode two, just to talk a bit more about the difference between Steve and John. Where uh, there's a point where I think Bucky says to him, "Do you ever throw yourself on top of a live grenade like Steve did, like we saw in the first Captain America movie, Steve?" Before he has the super soldier serum, jumps on this uh, grenade that he thinks is live to to with his helmet to stop it from blowing up and hurting people. And John is like, "Yeah, I've done it four times. I got this helmet. It's a whole thing." And it kind of stops Bucky in his tracks a little bit because he's like, "Oh, I guess I guess this guy has done this selfless thing." But I don't think he has. I think that's just part of his training. Whereas with Steve, it was an impulse. It was like he couldn't stop himself from doing it because it was the right thing to do. Whereas with him, with John, it's all just manufactured and trained and fake. Yeah, that's and that's I think that's intentional. Yeah, for like sure. Like they 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 do set that up like we were talking about. They do set him up to be like there's room to be sympathetic, but you can see it's flawed. Like he is a he is Captain America through a glass darkly. Yeah, uh, and 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 no one in the audience ever believes that he can really get like get it together. Like he's not immediately a bad guy, but no one like like no one came watched this show and thought, well, maybe he'll be Captain America now. That's that's never an option. We can already see that there's too much like bad soldier in him. He's a bad. He's a bad soldier. He's a bad Captain America. He should feel bad. <laughs> yeah. So, should we move on to episode five? 
Tell me about episode five. Uh, it came out April 16th, 2021. It's called Truth, written by Dalen Musan. I'm probably butchering all of these names. Uh, they want to get the shield from from John. Uh, there's a... I mean, let's be clear. They want to arrest him. Like, they want to take... Like, you just killed a guy. You have to come home. Right. There's a big fight. Uh, Falcon. This is the other thing. By this point, I don't think we've seen Sam in his... Like, every episode, it's like he's in his Falcon gear less and less and less. And in this one, in episode two, Red Wing gets destroyed, his little robo-bird. And in this, his wings get ripped off of the suit. So he's he can't be Falcon anymore after that. He's, he, the suit's dead. Um, so they they go off. Uh, they they beat up Walker. They find Zemo over in in Sokovia at his uh, at the memorial for all the people lost in Sokovia and Avengers Two. They they give Zemo over to the Dora Milaje. Um, Walker is is brought in front of like the Senate committee and has a strip torn off him and he gets kicked out of the military. He's not allowed to be Captain America anymore. There's an amazing cameo appearance uh, that we'll get into. They Falcon goes and visits Bradley again, gets more of the background on, on Isaiah Bradley's life and, and Bradley's opinion that a black man should not be Captain America. Uh, there's a lot of boat fixing <laughs> with the Bucky and yeah. Falcon. And uh, then they, he's given a a mysterious suitcase that you don't get to see what's inside in this episode. Um, Even though we all know what's inside. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and then at the end, he's, uh, you see Sam practicing with the shield. He's, he's clearly uh, getting ready to be uh, the new Captain America. He's got the shield back. He's practicing. He's doing all these sorts of acrobatics that are a little lame. Uh, Batrock is on the scene again, working with Carly now. I think he's sent there by the power broker, and uh, it ends with uh, end credit scene of uh, Walker building a new Captain America shield out of God knows what. Oh, there's also a moment where the GRC, the government body that's the bad guys in this, the real bad guys, the people who are screwing over all these refugees, are about to have a final vote that'll really put the dagger in and the flag smashers they're, attack. Yeah, they're going to round up these refugees and kick them out of their countries and herd them into concentration camps. Right. It's, yeah, it's not subtle. <laughs> no, no. Subtlety is... Yeah. On that storyline, it's not very subtle, but a lot of the race stuff is is subtle and, and well done. Mm-hmm. So let's let's hit that cameo first because it's it definitely sticks out even if it's not the most important part of the episode where Walker and wife are confronted by a manic Elaine Bennis. Um, <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, she is so much more than Elaine at this point, but she's she's got to be one of the most successful TV actors of all time, considering she's yeah maybe on her third very successful sitcom she's 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 it's very impressive anyway now she's on this show and part of the mcu and she's contessa valentina allegra de fontaine kind of an obscure comic book character but uh a love interest of the 60s swing and spy era nick fury and you know it's all spy stuff so i think it was you know is she on his side? Is she 
uh, a bad guy and and uh, it's one of those things where I, I don't remember what the answer is there's so much back and forth and in classic yeah, spy like, fashion for a while I mean for a while it's it's a secret invasion tell and she's a scroll mm. which is interesting considering we have secret invasion and scroll stuff happening now but also like she's shield she's questionable shield for a while and occasionally hydra and I think she's one of the madam hydras at one point or another um, so there's so you know what she's doing in the MCU could be anyone's game at this point, and she's definitely shown to be like she's not part of the rank and file, right? She's got something going on, whatever it is, we don't know, but she it says bad guy or at least untrustworthy. Definitely bad guy. She's taking advantage of a very broken John Walker, and no good will come of that. For sure, for sure. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So she shows up and offers John a solution, something other than this this life of shame that's being presented to him by the American government. And she's weird. Yeah, she's got a blue streak in her hair. She's crazy. Who does that? No, I mean, yeah, the, the the hair, sure. But I mean, but she's all like she's manic. She's all over the place. She doesn't finish her sentences. She just <laughs> keeps talking. She's all this energy. It's a very cool performance. But it's done deliberately for us to be kind of off-put by her, right? Like, like yeah. it's, A flag is being waved saying, this is not normal. Yes. Yeah. It's a great performance. I really was not... I didn't know what to expect when I saw her uh, appear on screen. But by the end of her scene, I was like, all right, I'm in. I want more. Yeah. Let's see where this goes. Otherwise, like, this is definitely the, you know, the long, dark night of the soul moment of the show. And it slows way down. Um, I thought maybe a little too much. Like I did like, you know, like the Sam's family stuff, getting the community together and Bucky shows up to help and is sort of flirty with his sister and that's awkward. And it's like, it was fun. It was fun and enjoyable to watch, but at the long run, it's like, it's what, maybe 20 minutes of this show that didn't really affect the rest of the show at all. Well, I think it, it, helps really solidify the friendship between the two of them and and helps give Bucky a sense of normalcy like even the life he was living when we see at the beginning of the series where he's I don't he's he's just sort of desperately trying to make friends with this old man who Sonny killed and uh he's sleeping on the floor of his living room in a tiny apartment here he has a chance to socialize and actually make friends and and yeah, his therapist tells him directly, you need to make friends and talk to people. And, and, and here he does. So, And there's there's another great callback in it that I, I enjoyed. It's sort of a, a subtle one. But I think in episode two, um, Sam calls him Buck. And he says, don't call me that. Uh, only Steve called me that or something like that. And then in this episode, when he meets Sam's sister, he's like, hi, I'm Bucky. And I just loved how the it's just like the contrast right there. Like he's got... One relationship with Sam, but he's very willing to start a different kind of relationship with Sam's sister. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, and she's into it, which is what makes it okay and not creepy. But it's still, it's still unusually forward for that character. But uh, I guess he's learned a few things about himself along the way too, and Sam is now undergoing that same sort of character upgrade. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it was so it was fun. I enjoyed it, but I mean, this episode is about processing a lot of emotions and maybe that had to happen. Like, you know, they had to ratchet down the action and let us sort of chew on what we had for a while, but it does feel like this was sort of a 
you know, the moment it was off track. The momentum was a little low for this one, and I guess it's okay. But like again, it wasn't my favorite episode. That's fair. I I liked it. I liked the character building stuff with John and with um with Sam and Bucky. And you're right. There's not a ton that happens in it that is of great plot consequence. But I think it's an important moment to to get into a, like if we just constantly throw our characters into peril episode after episode after episode it doesn't mean as much if we don't care about them so we need episodes like this to remind us why we like these guys and why we want them to win and especially with a villain like Carly Morgenthau where we at least I found I was kind of sympathetic to her aims and it's always good to have me like the heroes more than her so I can be like all right well I hope they win. I'm. I'll be sad to see Carly go, but I. I want. I like these guys more than her, and and I. I'm gonna root for them. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's fair. That makes sense. It's. This is. I mean, I hear this show compared to Agents of Shield a lot, and I think that show suffers what you just described, where they're in dire peril twenty six times a season, and it's exhausting. And I just. I don't care anymore. Like, before the halfway point of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. suffered from the fact that it was on a more traditional t- TV network. And so there was an expectation of, you know, we're going to have a commercial break here. You need to have a cliffhanger. And it's it, it was a lot more formulaic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to I think. don't know that there was room. I, I don't know if there was room for anything else to happen there anyway. But that's a different <laughs> podcast. That's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So one last thing before we move on from this, uh, Joaquin Torres is is Sam's buddy who's in the more traditional military, the guy who keeps checking in with him and letting him know what's going on with, with Carly Morgenthau. In the right. comics, he that character does exist. I think he's very different. He has the same name, but I'm pretty sure the character himself is, has got a very different backstory, and he becomes the second Falcon. And so in... Oh, so that's sort of appropriate. Yeah. So in this episode, when... Uh, Falcon's wings get destroyed and uh, he's Joaquin shows up and he's like you want what do you want me to do with this he's like it's destroyed you take it I was like oh I didn't see what they're doing there <laughs> yeah keep it and he's gonna show up later I did keep it yeah uh, yeah. in fact well spoilers I'm kind of surprised he didn't show up in, in uh, the last episode with it but I guess, I mean, that's the great thing about the MCU. It's not like it's a missed opportunity. There will be plenty of opportunity for him to show up with the suit. Yeah. I I, I bet his agents are reading every line of those comics very carefully. <laughs> well, in the comics, he's a, he's a mutated man falcon thing, so I'm glad they're not doing that. I'm sure they could work it out. <laughs> Well, let's move on. Episode 6 uh, aired today, well, not today if you're listening to this, aired on April 23rd, One World, One People, the the, the battle cry of the Flag Smashers. Yeah, so, it, uh, it's like that, the Hail Hydra of, of these guys. Yeah. Who are, by the way, like clearly not really on board, like, they're on board with Carly... I mean, like they're they're they, they. It's like they don't have a way out, but they are not on board with her extremism at this point, which was a fun. I was hoping they would do more with it. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, any case, this is the climax. Um, Sam has now from the Wakandans a Captain America Falcon hybrid suit. That's pretty great. 
All the heroes get together. Sharon Carter has magically shown up in the States. Fine. Okay. Why not? She's a spy. I'm sure she could do it. Um, the lots and lots of fighting. Um, the Flag Smashers want to kidnap the, the, G, like the senators from the GRC and hold them hostage to stop the vote. But if it doesn't work, Carly wants to kill them. And the other Flag Smashers are kind of upset by that, but they're going along with it. Fight, fight, fight. Punch, punch, punch. Um, things we learn, very cool reveal. The one thing I didn't predict from this show that Sharon Carter apparently is the power broker all along. She's the criminal mastermind. I've uh, been trying to build an army of super soldiers to sell to people. Um, I feel like on a rewatch, I wonder if that would hold up. And I mean, it's Marvel, so I trust them. But you know, now that we know she was the bad guy all along. Like, why would she have led them to the super soldier scientist in the first place? Like, it's, it's, it's there's, there's some hmms, but there's plenty of room for them to work out the details. So it's, you know, I'll, I'll back off on that for now. Good, good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, the Flag Smashers end up getting caught by, by Bucky and Walker, who are now sort of kind of like they... I don't know, Walker, last I saw him, was disgraced, and since then he has reclaimed his uniform, he has forged his own shield out of, like, I mean, we, it, we see it get messed up, so it's not adamantium or, what are they? Vibranium. Condon? Vibranium, that's the equivalent we're using in the MCU. Uh, I wonder if they're going to retcon that now. That, anyway, no, in matter. the comics it's, uh, it's a vibranium-adamantium mix, so it's even more okay. powerful than either of them on their own. Right, of course. That's how that works with alloys. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, but yeah, anyway, Walker's back. No one asks a lot of questions. That's fine because everything's going crazy. There's the Sharon Carter reveal. She kills Batrock because he finds out Carly shoots her, but she shoots Carly back. Carly dies. Um, everything is now wrapped up. Uh, Sam shows up and gives a very impassioned speech, theoretically to the GRC senators, but very clearly to the audience about you know about what we need to be about thinking about other people and doing the right thing and we haven't been and you know maybe now like you people who you're the one percent in charge now that you know what it's like to be powerless now that you know how the rest of us feel maybe we can work together on a common goal now everyone at home pretty pretty much winks it at the camera um we'll get back to that and uh, and then everything is wrapped up in a neat little bow. Uh, the extra flag smashers are on their way to jail when they get blown up. We find out very quickly by Zemo, even from inside prison at the raft, he is still, uh, you know, or making things making making things happen. Um, Walker becomes U.S. agent. He gets his new outfit from 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 Contessa Valentina Longname. Um, <laughs> Bucky gets over stuff in his past. He tells his old man Japanese friend about his son and resolves that character arc. And because um, he's Wilson, done that, he gets to quit therapy. Right, yeah, he quits therapy. Um, which isn't how therapy works, but okay, fine. Um, <clears throat> uh, Sam Wilson has uh, has Isaiah Bradley added to the Captain America Museum we see at the beginning. Like, acknowledges like his sacrifices and what he's done. And Bradley seems to finally sort of come around, and um, and Sharon Carter gets a full pardon and rejoins the the CIA. But of course, she's the power broker, so now we have another sort of B level villain in place. 
and the title card at the end finally like they they redo like at start of every episode it's the falcon and the winter soldier title card at the end of the credits is captain america and the winter soldier sam wilson is now captain america surprising no one but still good to see yeah and i i really like that i I like that they changed the title card for the end it was a, a nice a really nice touch and it Sounds like they're already working on a Captain America 4 that would star uh, Sam. Um, Okay. One of the things that... So the thing in the box was the new Captain America suit that the Wakandans had made for him. I'm already getting a little tired of the Wakandans being this, like, magical secret place where all the superheroes get their their cool stuff from. Like, Bucky's arm is Wakandan. Now Cap's suit is Wakandan. It's, uh... It's getting... The shield is isn't Wakandan, but it's made from their stuff, so it's like yeah, it, like yeah. before it was all Stark tech, and now it's all gonna be Shuri and Wakanda tech. But whatever, I'm sure they'll they'll figure it out. I know I trust the MCU. Uh, another thing that that character who has popped up in the previous episodes, but gets a bit more to do in this one is. Um, Isaiah Bradley's, I, I think it's his grandson, and it's uh, yeah. Elijah Bradley, who in the comics is uh, becomes the leader of the Young Avengers, Patriot, and he's got a cool sort of Bucky Cap-esque yeah. costume. Are there any characters in this show who don't become superheroes? <laughs> it's a comic book thing, of course not. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Um, what what did we think about Sam's speech? I I quite liked it. I mean, it's it's a little on the nose, uh, but it's it was a tough thing to nail. And I I think if I I just they had put themselves into a corner where Car- Carly's right, like what she wants isn't unreasonable, but how she's going about it is unreasonable. So to have Sam and Bucky stop her and save the day and save all these people who these like politicians who are going to do this, arguably very bad thing to a lot of helpless people and that's that i don't think is a satisfying ending and and while the speech might be a little corny i do think it's very relevant to the present day and i i quite liked it yeah see that's that's what i was getting at is i think that speech was very well done and very important and very directed at the audience I think it did a great job of summing up the message that this show had. Um, I also think, like, I think that it was perfectly appropriate for the television show. I think it stuck out like a sore thumb in the show. Like, in the context of that world, I feel like the senators would be like, wait, who is he talking to? <laughs> like, it was almost too directed towards the audience. But on the other hand, I really liked it. I really liked that they did it. I really liked that they had him say it. And I, I think a lot of effort probably went into writing it definitely. to make it that direct and effective and clear. And I do think that they, there's, they have a great emph- emphasis on the cameras being around him and picking it up and it getting broadcast on some level because I think it is important to explain why people would accept him as Captain America readily. Like, it's it's a great moment to show his heroism, but also what he stands for. He's not just yeah, and how he's di- how he's different than John Walker. Yeah, I I would say maybe some of the Walker stuff is uh, a dangling Chad of the series that I didn't that that I think could have been fleshed out more because in this he just kind of shows up and they 
Sam and Bucky sort of reluctantly accept his help. And it doesn't really get resolved. Their relationship with him doesn't really get resolved in a satisfying way. Yeah, they the USA and because it's the MCU, I give them a pass on that because, of course, they'll bring him back and continue down that road. Um, but yeah, at the end of that fight, I feel like he's still kind of an antagonist. Like if they they like Carly's dead, the Flag Smashers are in jail. Like next up is to deal with John Walker. Like, dude, what are you doing here? Yeah. Why are you wearing that? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no one it, questions it's weird that. that he got a pass. Yeah, you'd think that there'd at least be a raised eyebrow or something when they first see him in that suit with his homemade shield. It's he's he's you know I, he's unnerving, right? Like it's it's weird that he's there, and they should have addressed it in some way, but they they just kind of are like, oh well, I guess we got to deal with this now. Yeah, and then they, like, during Sam's speech, they cut to him a couple times, and he has reactions. Like, when Sam is saying, like, I know, like, of course I know what it's like, you know, being downtrodden. Like, I think his exact line is, you know, I'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes. I know right now that people hate me because of it. And they cut to John, and he sort of, like, he reacts to it. Like, that's that's something that's affecting him. And then later in the post-credits, well, he, he's become U.S. agent, and he's just perfectly happy with it again. And it's like, well, wait, did he learn something? Or did he, like, has his character changed? Or are we still in the exact same place we were in episode two? It just, it's it's weird. Like, that needed more focus. Right, and yeah. I, I, I So, yeah, that's, I mean, they'll address it later, but I feel like to make this show perfect, they needed to address that now. That's true. That's fair. I think you're you're on the nose there. Yeah, so uh, I, I, it's it, there's uh, some great action stuff in it. I, I don't think like the series is an action show, and and they do a lot of great action stuff. But I really don't think anything, even in this final episode, quite matches the fight scene, the helicopter chase scene in the first episode. That was the peak of the action for me. This is there's some great uh, fight stuff here, and another helicopter chase. Lots of helicopters in this series, um, but. That first one was pretty stunning, and this is is good, but it feels like more of the same. Yeah, there's only so much you can do with the action, especially with so much CG these days. The uh, I did notice his his new Captain America suit is in the dark a lot, and I mean I'm clicking through it now as we record this, and the wings are definitely they're definitely not quite finished. Um, they were cool they though; tell, these like new vibranium they, wings, and I, I really like the moment when Carly. Uh, is hitting him with any or hitting the shield and you know the shield would protect him but he would still have momentum going backwards and he digs the oh, he locks the, yeah yeah the, the wings to the ground to brace himself yeah i liked when he rescued the helicopter pilot and the helicopter is about to crash on them and he holds up the shield but also wraps the wings around yeah, yeah 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 that that's when i said okay i get it that's cool i like this hybrid falcon captain thing yeah um, i i think it may be the most accurate to the comic books suit that I've seen in the MCU yet. It it does stick out a little because of that. It's very bright. Yeah, and he can't seem to move his head. <laughs> like yeah. In that final <laughs> speech, he's having a real hard time moving that neck around. Yeah, it, it goes right up his neck. And, and again, the CG needs a little work. I think the next time we see that suit, it's probably going to be a little bit different. I don't think they had enough time to quite iron it out. Um, but that is a nitpick on the back of a nitpick. Like that's yeah. that's small. Like that that doesn't really bother me. I only noticed it because I liked it so much that I've gone back to like go frame by frame. Right. 
yeah so uh i guess that's that's or is that it have we covered that's everything it. that's all six episodes um any final thoughts one other thing that I, I wanted to mention that I, I forgot, I, I, when I was re-watching some of the episodes, the I remembered the moment uh, where we first see John in action, where we first see the new Captain America in action in the, on the fight scene on the truck. There's a moment where he pulls a gun out and shoots one of the, the flag smashers that's attacking Lamar, and I remember feeling very jarred seeing Captain America with a gun. And I know yeah. that's unusual in the comic books, Captain America having a gun, but I had to really think, and I ended up looking it up to see if we'd seen the Steve Rogers Captain America have a gun. And apparently in the first movie, you see him with a gun a, a few times, and I think in the first Avengers movie, there's a moment where he has a gun. But from that point on, from Winter Soldier on, he never touches a gun. And so I guess that's why it was so jarring to me this time. And it was done deliberately, obviously. Yes, yes. I mean, superheroes don't have guns has been a trope for a hundred years. Like, it's like that's how we distinguish them from lesser characters and villains, right? Is they don't shoot people. They grappling hook them or just punch them or throw them into the sun or something. Yeah, or or uh, crack their skulls open with shields, which is, you know, yeah. that's A-OK. Well, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a, I know. like. That is a very good guy identifier, and it's done deliberately. When John Walker, Captain America, draws a gun and shoots someone, you go, oh, that's that's not my hero. Yeah. And on the other hand, in the same fight, when Lamar falls off the truck, he throws the shield onto the ground to catch him. Yeah. And you're thinking, like, oh, well, he just, like, he gave up the shield to save his buddy. That is a Captain America thing to do. Like, it's, it, they, they play it off well. Like, you still don't know how to feel about him at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I do, too. It was uh, just something that I knew I had to mention. Otherwise, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything else about it. I still feel like it was kind of forgettable. Um,. Which is a shame because I mean it has that powerful message, but I think that message just isn't you know as a Canadian white guy, <laughs> yeah, you know who like I mean like you and I are both extremely fortunate that we grew up in an incredibly multicultural community. Like it took us a long time to figure out what this other you know life's like, what it's like living in a more ethnocentric life. Like that never happened to us. So I, I know that there's an important message there that probably makes it stick out for other people. This show wasn't as much fun as WandaVision and probably won't be as much fun as Loki, but it also wasn't meant to be. It was meant to do something different. And maybe I'm selling it short, and now that I'm thinking about it in that lens, I think maybe I'm giving it more respect than I had at the start of this recording. So so good on you, Marvel. That's a, that, is a, that is a very powerful use of the medium. Yeah, I kind of feel like I want to add stuff to what you said, but I don't really know how to phrase it. It's a, it's a difficult topic. Uh, I think... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't uh, we were privileged, I, I but I I think we also had blinders on to what other people were experiencing in some ways too. But yeah, I I do think that seeing the world a bit more clearly now it makes me appreciate this stuff more. And um, yeah, I do think it it's a, it got a lot of important messages if you are open to to seeing them. All right. Well, yeah. On the whole, uh, we liked it. Uh, I liked WandaVision better. You liked this better. And uh, I don't know. Are either of us going to watch Black Widow? I think I have to. <laughs> I, uh, do, do we, do we have to for the show? Is that the excuse? Uh, I I don't know that I would, at this point, go see it in theaters. But when it's free on Disney+, Plus, I'll definitely watch it. If it's free on Disney+, Plus, for sure. 
So we'll see what happens there. Well, thank you, Graham. I think that was uh, that, that was a very entertaining discussion, and you you made me think. <laughs> thank you, Jesse. Uh, thank you for for making me think too. We've done a lot of thinking today. Uh, we're good buddies that way. <laughs> While we're giving out thanks, I uh, want to thank, as always, Jamie Reum, the guy behind our theme song, cool musical geek, and a great performer. Reum is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E. And uh, if uh, you know, it's, like, vaxes are getting out there, if things lighten up soon, hopefully you'll be able to see him performing in Toronto again someday. Um, in the meantime, you can check him out on YouTube and Instagram at uh, Jamie Reum Official or Jamie underscore Reum, respectively. And, uh, of course, also, thanks go out to you for tuning in, for giving us the opportunity to do this, for, for listening to us babble. Um, we are covering the topics you want to hear. We're doing the episodes you want us to do. Um, we love to hear from you, and we've been getting your, your questions, your comments, your complaints, and your top five lists, which we're always happy to dive into. If you had some thoughts about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or, boy, it would be cool if they rebranded it as Captain America and the Winter Soldier now, or just thoughts on other things you want us to talk about, uh, please send them our way. Graham, how can they get that to us? You can email us at geektop 5 at gmail.com we're on facebook.com slash geektop5 and we're on twitter at geektop5 the marvel cinematic universe continues week by week on disney plus um, all six episodes of the falcon and the winter soldier are available there now and uh, hopefully you watched them before listening this to this <laughs> one but if you didn't and now you're compelled feel free to go check it out plenty of cool stuff there they're feature length episodes and that should keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again uh, until then i'm jesse i'm graham and this has been geek top five and we will talk to you again next week